Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. You are now listening to the Dual Position Podcast. The boys are back to talk all things Super Coach all season long. Please welcome your hosts, Whisper and Brew. Mates, another week down. Uh, back here on a Monday. More teams to discuss. Getting closer and closer to Teamless Tuesday. And my side is starting to shape up nicely. Uh, I finally, look, finally looked at it again for the first time and potentially running with the idea of having Grant Munster. I don't know how I feel about that with them both being out round one, but it's an easy downgrade to someone like Akiri and then upgrade elsewhere if it has to be. Uh, Brew, how's your side looking? Yeah, uh, changing a little bit. I can't decide whether or not I want to take Cleary or not. And obviously, whether or not I do that affects the rest of the side a great deal. I was looking at it earlier. Instead of having Cleary, I can take Cherry Evans, Luai and Kiri, And I feel like that gives me three pretty good cracks at some some high-scoring individuals under my current setup. So, yeah, it's evolving. Uh, the more news we get about Cleary, obviously, going into TLT will help. I do think he will drop price at some point, but will it be enough to kind of offset the fact that you're going to be missing probably some good scores early? I'm delving into the NRL fantasy side of things this year. Obviously, you and I have some friends in the space, and, and you and I are going to be playing it very, very casually this year, and more reports clear he's a must-have over there. But I think I'm pretty resigned to the fact in Supercoach that I'm not going to be taking him. Um, I know that you said you could build a balanced side, but just the dynamic that I want, um, I would have to have a pretty poor side around him. But then again, uh, who knows what's going to happen until now in Teamless Tuesday. A uh, little bit off topic there, but we are here to talk about the Sharks. A side with a plethora of upside. Uh, they just missed the finals last year. I think they lost lost out the finals the last day of the season. They lost out to the Titans. They finished ninth. And they were basically the definition of bang average when you look at all the stats. They finished 10 and 14, which was good enough for equal eighth. Uh, just lost out on four and against. They were 6-6 six and six at home, and they were 4-8 and eight away. So if they could increase the away wins by 1 or 2, you'd think they'd be making the 8. Uh, they ranked 8th in points scored with 520, which equates to 21.5 points a game. They were ninth in points against with basically 23 points a game, so a 1.5 point differential on the season. Like I said, man, the, the basically the definition of bang average, nearly a 500 team, nearly the exact same points scored, points against. I've got them sitting in seventh this year. Uh, where do you have them? I have them finishing fifth. Ooh, okay. Um, so it'll be interesting to see who's dropping out of there because I'll make it no secret. The sides I have ahead of them, each traditional top four, and then I've got Manly and Power in front of them. I know that you're not high on South this year and you're probably not overly high on Parramatta either. Exactly right. Yeah. You and I talk way too much outside of this podcast. Um, look, I've got I've got him in seventh. Um, that's an improvement on ninth last year. But as I said, that ninth could have easily been an eighth. Um, it could have easily been a, a seventh. The Knights were pretty poor last year as well, and they snuck in. So uh, I don't hate the shout for fifth. I just probably think it's 
I mean, the first five rounds, they play the Raiders away, Eels at home, Dragons away, Knights at home, Tigers at home. That could possibly be a 5-0 and start, but most likely be a 4-1, and depending on how the Eels come out. So uh, they could get off hot. They could also probably win one or two of those games, considering they have um, some new inclusions. It's going to be very interesting to see how they gel over the preseason and then how they look trials-wise. Uh, where do you have the first five games for them sitting? Probably four or one, yeah. or three or two, I think will be the start. First week actually worries me. They've got a horrible record against Canberra. Canberra's in, currently on a winning streak against them of five or six games. In Canberra head. too. So um, I think that's going to be a tricky game to start. But if they can get through that, they could go anywhere up to five and oh. But I don't think they will. I, I'm more thinking they're probably going to be four and one to start the season. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how they go against the Raiders in Canberra and then obviously a decent test against Parramatta, uh, which should be a pretty cracking game round two, you would imagine. Um, yeah. Mate, they've had quite a few inclusions, quite a few uh, players dropped out of the side. They've had Dale Fanuka and Nico Hines obviously both coming from the Melbourne Storm. They've had Kent McInnes coming from the Dragons. They have Matt Nicovalu coming from the Roosters. They've got Lockie Miller coming from the Sevens and they've got Jaden Barrell coming from Wynnum Manly in the Q Cup. Uh, with the exits, they've got Aaron Woods going to the Dragons, Sean Johnson to the Warriors, Chad Townsend to the Cowboys, uh, Billy Magulius to the Wolves in Warrington, Will Chambers to Rugby, Josh Dugan's been released slash retired, and Nano McDonald has been released. Uh, apart from Billy Magulius, man, I really like all of those departures. I think it helps the club massively. Um, I do have a little bit of bias when it comes to Billy. I'm a huge fan. Um, but all those guys that exit the building, I think, are, are perfectly fine, and um, you don't really regret seeing any, any of them go. Sean Johnson never really worked out. Aaron Woods, I mean, they've got a plethora of forwards at the Sharks. They don't really need him. Uh, Will Chambers and Josh Dugan, not guys you want around the club when it comes to culture. And then Nana McDonald never really put it together in the last couple of years. Injuries and um, the emergence of, of, I guess, probably two or three better wingers in the side. And, yeah, as I said, SJ just never worked out at Cronulla. Sean Johnson's obviously a loss. You can't say he's not a loss. He's a... He's a champion player, but they've gone out and got Nico Hines, and I think that more than covers that loss, and it gives them a long-term halves option as well. So overall, I think they've done really well with recruitment uh, to the point where I see them as a high-end club this season. Jaden Beryl, I don't know a whole lot. I've watched a little bit of Q Cup. Um, the reports are he is pretty handy. Uh, he's a hooker. A um, few predicted sides have him in the 14 role. I don't, but I could see a world where they do carry utility. Uh, Lockie Miller, um, I played a couple of years under him uh, when it comes to rugby. When it comes to rep rugby, he was a few years older than I am, but I always remember seeing him at carnivals. Uh, and he was involved in the Australian 7 setup. Uh, very, very good player. Give me his hand at league. Probably maybe a little bit too far past it to make a huge impact in first grade. He's 27. So it'll probably take him a year in Reggie's to, to get the feel of things. And then maybe by the time he's 28, 29, looks to pushing into first grade if he takes it like a duck to water. Matt Ikevalu. Brew and I have had differing debates on where we see Ikevalu's role when it comes to the Sharks this year. But, I mean, worst case, he's a fantastic depth signing. Uh, best case, you get uh, a bloke that is starter quality coming from a really good system. Uh, Cam McInnes, I mean, that signing we've known for a while, but we finally get to see it in full flight this year, and Dalvin uh, I really like this signing from a leadership standpoint, and you know what you're going to get from him week in, week out. Uh, you're probably the most excited about Nico Hines, Dalvin Shimon, mate. Yeah, absolutely. Um, he's going to have a great season. For me, he's a champion, champion player, and that being the case, he'll, he'll 
He'll go well this season. I'm quite confident in that. I'm confident too. I'm not as confident as you are to potentially start with him, but we'll touch on him when we come to our, our starting 17s. Uh, Craig Fitzgibbon, new coach. He is very fortunate to have no injuries and no suspensions. There's a couple of niggles. Um, they've listed Wade Graham as a potential injury with his concussion, but you would assume he is fine to come trials. Uh, same with guys like Andrew Fafita listed with his throat, but uh, with quite a lengthy offseason, you'd think those guys should be fine to go. So Fitzgibbon should have his best 17 available to be picked. Uh, and his best 17, for me, lines up with Will Candy at fullback. I'm assuming there is zero... Um, Debates here? Yeah, no arguments. Will, Will Kennedy's the fullback. He he earned that spot. Um, he's definitely the number one. The thing I've changed up today about the format, normally we list our 17s and then we touch on the players that we like and we don't like. Um, I'm going to sort of give my thoughts on each player in my 17 and then Brew's going to counter with his sort of players that we differ on and then he'll give his opinions on, on all the players. So for Will Kennedy, I've simply put, unfortunately for him, there's just too many fullbacks for him to be a punt. Um, and he's not even the punt that I would take over the over the big three. Uh, I'm assuming that you've got no stocks on Kennedy either. No, unfortunately, yeah. he's as you said, fullback kind of speaks for itself. There's only three or four genuine real options, and Kennedy's not one of those for me. Uh, the wingers, I'm su- I'd be surprised if you've gone against what I've got in Katoa and Mortalo. Yeah, I I do have the same, but some news you're probably are bound to talk about might change my predicted 17 potentially, but I've got Mulatalo and Katoa definitely on the wings at this stage in time. When it comes to Mulatalo and Katoa, both these guys will go on try scoring runs. They probably won't go on them together, but if you can pick your time, they're both uh, worthwhile servants. When it comes to Mulatalo, I'd prefer to take Katoa and we'll touch on why in a second. Um, I'd want to wait and see where Hines ends up if I'm looking at Mulatalo, even mid-season when he drops in price, because I want to see how those guys connect. Uh, but Sione Katoa, average of 58 and then 59 in the last two years, surprisingly has a base power of 45, which is up there with some of the better center wings. So he could be some value after he goes in a little bit of a dry, try-scoring drought. I don't have the balls big enough to start with him. But with Bruno going over the, the first five rounds, there is a world where you can pot up and go Katoa. Um, because we know he's a genuine try scorer and that Sharks backline should be improving. I owned him last season and I'm pretty sure I owned him at some point the season before. He he is a guy that does seem to make his way into my side. Uh, I did know about the base and power. He, he has a lot of tackle busts in him. He does break the line a lot, being a winger and a fast winger at that. So, yeah, I don't hate the, the Katoa call at all. Uh, I've owned him previously. He's always been a bit of a pod for me. Uh, it's just when you kind of pick your time to do that if you do go that way. Yeah, so he will be streaky. That average of 58 last year will be six weeks of 40 and then probably six weeks of 75s afterwards. So if you can pick your moments, you're definitely going to make uh, you make great room with Katoa. And as we said, with the draw, it could definitely be, um, yeah, it could be round one. One centre wing, mate. I'll let you touch on Jesse Ramian. I'm assuming we've both got Ramian in, in, at least in one centre spot. Yeah, I've got Ramian. Um, he'll play, he'll definitely play on the right side. I like Ramian. Uh, I think he is. I, I think I said it on the um, podcast when we did the centres. He's just a genuine option for me. He, he's a, a tackle-busting machine. He doesn't get as many tries as he probably should. And if he ever does find that time where he goes on a bit of a try scoring run, he could be 
it could be anything like a 33 at base is, is really solid. Um, minutes wise, he's obviously an 80 minute center half the time he goes 60 plus. So if he gets the uptick um, from the sharks this season, presumably being a better side, there is, there's certainly a situation where he could bump that average up, say five points just on getting tries or tries try assists. How do you feel about players coming off career years? Because Jesse Ramian, taking out last year, had a career average of 48.6. That was across 54 games. Granted, some of that was at the Knights, and the Knights sucked. And Jesse Ramian never found his feet there. But to go from a career average of 48.6 to what I think was 63 off the top of my head, uh, a big 15-point jump. Thankfully, his game is friendly enough when it comes to base, and it's not so heavily relying on try scoring. Is that why you're you're more of a fan of the increase when it comes to base rather than him having a breakout try scoring year? I always look for the base. I didn't realize that he's averaged an uptick that much. I thought, first of all, pretty much everyone's average upticked a little bit last season under these rules. So it doesn't surprise me that there's a bit of an uptick there. Like Rapana got 62.3. You wouldn't have expected that. And I didn't think Rapana had a, stellar year by any means his base was down on his usual form um well I, i'd have to look at what his figures were like when he was at the sharks previously because i remember he was a super coach asset a few years ago i mean i know that's when he was a newer player but so so the the research that i did we're recording this at 4 30 on sunday i did the research at about two o'clock um he scored 73 points in 2017. That was through one game, though. So I'm happy to discount that. And I think he yeah. went 48, 47, 48 in the previous years. So he, he he wasn't as good as what we think he is. And yeah, I'm I'm talking a 15.5-point increase. Or sorry, 14.5-point increase. The saving grace is it that it was not just tries. Like, it wasn't an Alex Johnson level of increase, you know? Like, he, he didn't score as many tries as you said that he probably should have... Um, I'd love, obviously, like soccer uses the, the XG stat, like expected goals. I'd love if the NRL had some kind of expected try rate where you look at the quality of chance that a player had compared to defenders or, or whatever. It'd be a hard metric to do. But I'd love to look at sort of some advanced metrics when it comes to Ramian and see what kind of attacking output he could have had. Um, I'm interested to see how they use Kendi and Hines, if they're going to hit Ramian short or if they're going to sort of hit um, the wing on the outside. But, yeah, a big, big uptick in production when it comes to Ramian. I don't see it dropping off a cliff dramatically. Um, and as you said, if he can sort of find the white line a couple of times, then there could be an increase in the 63. I'm always just wary of those huge price, not price spikes, huge average uh, spikes, considering, yeah, only average 48.6. Um, the second center wing position, uh, this is where we're going to differ, but I think you will change it when I tell you why. Uh, I am quite confident you have Matt Icavalu there, um, but recent news has come out and said that Fitzgibbon is basically preferring the combination of Tracy and Ramian. Um, with that information, I'm assuming you would just tra- change to Tracy um, if you knew that beforehand. There's a little bit of a flow-on effect. I actually have Connor Tracy as my 14 because he can pretty much fill any position in the back line was my reasoning um, for putting him there. If I take Ikevalu out, he probably drops out of my side altogether. Tracy would obviously go into the three and then I'd have to look at what my options are as in, like in terms of who becomes the 14 for the club. Can we please talk about Connor Tracy? Because he's owned I, by... He, I really like Connor Tracy. He is owned by 0.7% of teams, which is roughly right now about 200 people. 
Now, on the surface of things, Connor Tracy doesn't look fantastic. Average 48 last year. But he played nine games at center wing. He bounced around between six, the bench, and the wing, and then finally nailed yeah, down a spot. He played some wing. Huh? Yeah, finally nailed down a spot in the center wings. Oh, sorry, in the center wings. He finally nailed down a spot in the centers after the Sharks. Had a nine-game sample size and quietly went about his work, averaging 57.4. So, what's that? Nine points of value when he's priced at 424K, similar to what Staggs is. And if people are concerned, Staggs goes from a 62 average down to a 50 out of so because he doesn't have goal kicking. I mean, there's a world where we get behind Connor Tracy. I feel like we aren't talking about him enough with a better side around him, solidify the position. He could easily push into those low 60s. Look, I, I've actually always been keen on Connor Tracy because I feel like there's a lot of Matt Burton in him. Um, yeah, really good ball, I haven't really, really good ball player on I, the edge. Yeah, like he's a half that's moved into the center. He's proved that he can actually play center and defend quite well. So he's going to have that ability to obviously be used as the extra 5'8 at center of the way that Burton was. And for that reason, I was always had an eye on him. I just wasn't confident if he was going to win the spot or not. So I haven't publicly said anything about him. I was always going to sneakily put him in on TLT if named because I think the price point is very good. And... I really like whatever. I really want to know what side Hines is going to that's, play. That's the thing. And that's, and that's a caveat yeah. I put here because Tracy will line up on the left. I mean, if it's, we'll touch on the halves in a second, but if it's who I think it is, I'm worried. If it's who you think it is, I'm more keen. Look, oh, I'm not going to hold back. Oh, I think it's going to be Matt Moylan. I think this is, this is the season for him. You want another contract with us? Go out there and earn it. He obviously played off the bench a lot last season, but he did get through the season without, you know, paper hamstringing four or five times like he always does. And he looked pretty I good last like year, to be honest. Like in the in the in time when he, he played, got, he, he did. He did come off the bench and look quite good. I think Fitzgibbon wants the maturity that Moylan can bring in that position to partner with Hines, and for that reason, I've picked Moylan as the six come TLT. Obviously, partnered with Nico Hines in the seven. That's how I see it. Um, otherwise, obviously, I don't know if this is what you have. The alternative, obviously, is Trindle. But in that case, I feel like you kind of got two sevens playing beside each other as yeah. opposed to a six and a seven, and that concerns me a little bit. I was surprised you named Trindle. Uh, I was sorry, I was surprised you named Moylan because you've been on the Trindle on the Trindle wagon. Um, I like Trindle as an so option, I, as so a I. super coach option, but I'm just not sure he's actually going to make the 17. When you, you might have to wait his time. When we, were, when, when, we, when we were discussing our sides probably three weeks ago and you mentioned that he had Trindle, I really did like that move. Permitted he got the start. But I just mm. don't think he does. Like, all the talk out of the Sharks is Moylan Hines, Moylan Hines, Moylan Hines. I haven't heard Trindle's name once, apart from... Neither have I. Apart from, obviously, some people sprouting that he may start. I just don't see it. I feel like Hines and Trindle are too similar. Um, Moylan has progressed from an eyes up for you player until more of a controller, obviously not an elite controller, but he has changed his game. Whereas I feel like if you have Trindle and Hines, you've got two similar players. Look, I'm not saying that Trindle and Hines won't end up playing together, but for the first five rounds, I just feel like it's Moiser and it's Hines together. And I don't mind that because that gives Will Kennedy some more freedom on the left-hand side, which therefore could open up um, Connor Tracy, who we were just talking about before. So, yeah, I also have Moylan and Hines. I was expecting you to say Trindle, but we have the same halves pairing and we have the same backline pairing, basically. So the first one to seven is unchanged. You've got Ikevalu, but you would put Tracy there knowing what you know now. 
Um, the front row. Ikavali could, could um, sorry to cut you off. Ikavali could challenge Katoa, I think, for the right wing, though. There is a world where they're competing for that spot because Katoa definitely has a lot of defensive flaws. And Fitzgibbon would be more of a defensive orientated yeah. coach, I believe, coming from the Roosters. So I wouldn't rule out the fact that Ikevalu could put Katoa, you know, on the spot as in terms of playing on that wing. You've also got um, Jensen Tonomapea as well. He is one of the juniors making a, making a, a push. I think he's behind Ikevalu, but um, he's definitely one to have. And it's a good problem to have if you're Sharks fans. You've now got some decent depth coming through, which is always what you want with it with a quality 17. Uh, moving into the pigs, uh, I think Delphinukin picks himself. He hasn't signed to go sit the bench, and Cam McKinnis hasn't signed to play nine. So you'd think Finucan takes one of the one of the prop spots, followed by Blake Braley, and then Rudolph would move from thirteen to ten as well in my book. I've got a slight difference, so I do have Finucan in the eight. Uh, I don't disagree that Tony Rudolph could play in the ten. I've actually got. Uh, Braden Hamlin, ULA, starting in the 10 with uh, Rudolph coming off the bench. Yep, that's cool. Uh, you got me mid, mid-drink there. Um, that's fine. Um, I don't mind that. I think Rudolph starts. I don't think he'd done anything wrong to not lose a start, but if Hamlin, ULA starts and Rudolph comes off the bench, they're both guys that will probably play similar minutes and be quite interchangeable, so I, I don't really think it matters what numbers, what numbers they wear. Uh, they both play a similar role. Now, back row was interesting. I think Wade Graham picks himself as the captain, and when he's fit, um, no no shocks there. But the other back row position, you've got Sivitalikai, you've got Teague Wilton, you've got Jack A. Williams, you've got Britton Nakora, who I've leaned with for this round one side. I don't love it, but I think Britton Nakora is probably the safest of the options. Um, you could go with the X-Factor in Talakai, or you could go with the youngster in Teague Wilton. Um, but I think they might just lean towards Nakora because it's you want to try and keep as much harmony as you can and then maybe look to make changes if it's not working out because Britain Nakora has not really progressed. We saw him in his breakout season when he was a rookie in 2019. Uh, he averaged 60. The year later, he averaged 57. Last year, he averaged 55. And you'd think with SJ in the side, he would have done very well because he's a very good line runner, but it's just not being put together so I wouldn't be surprised to see him drop out, but... Yeah, I'm not sure. He did He did start on the edge in every game last season, but one, where he obviously... Two, actually. He, he did get dropped for two weeks, and then he'd come back in and did go back to usual minutes on the edge. Uh, generally 80, sometimes, you know, he got 71, 72 minutes. I have picked him. I do think it's probably his spot to lose. Hmm. But I will say that if he doesn't show more, like he did say in, in his debut season where he was fantastic as a rookie and he had really big raps on him and then there's just been slow declines over the last couple of years. So there's definitely pressure on him. You mentioned Wil- Wil- uh, sorry, Wilton. Um, I really like him. Yeah, um, he looked really good last year. Like when, when he played, Wilton looked really good last year when he played um, and... Made it a real headache for, for Supercoach owners because he kept getting picked and kept putting up scores and you, you had to ask yourself, okay, well, when do we pull the trigger? Yeah, that he did. Um, I'm not sure. Talakai's, he's one of those guys, I just don't know what his position is. He's one of those hybrid type guys. I, I don't know where he fits best. You know, he, he's played some time at centre. He's played some time on the edge. He's big enough, obviously, to to fill in at prop, et cetera. 
I don't, I actually don't have him in my 17, which might be a bit controversial, but I just, I couldn't figure out where to put this guy. I mean, he's a, def- he's a defensive liability, but the question is, do you put up with how much of a liability he's in defense for the absolute explosiveness that he has? Um, God, I remember, I remember last year. So I have a lot of players that played Supercoach for the first time last year. And for weeks and weeks and weeks, I pumped up Sifatalakai. He finally got the start. Everyone brought him in. He did nothing, and people started to question the hype around him. There is an abundance of talent there. If he can find a way to make good, effective tackles under a defensive coach in Fitzy, he could be anything because he is such an explosive ball runner. He is such a weird body shape to try and tackle. Like he isn't tall, but he's just wide. But he's not like he's a nugget. He's just not fat. He's just he's just a wide man. And <laughs> he's you, a nugget. You're right. Like he's explosive enough to play in the centers. He is big enough to play prop forward, and he is a fantastic ball runner to play on the edge. But is that is that the Connor Watson syndrome? Is he too versatile for his own good and will always yeah, be a bench player? Hundred percent, and and that's my fear with him. And when I was looking at the players that could be on the bench, I was like, well, do I want to hold this person back? for a guy like Talakai. And that was where I was really scratching my head. So I've got him as the 18th man. I think he's the perfect 18th man. You know, if a situation happens where you need to pull someone in, what a, what an asset to have, you know, wherever the injury or the concussion that opens up the 18th spot falls, he can pretty much fill most of those. Let's finish up with the lock and then we'll go back and dissect basically the players that we've, we've put in and we'll, we'll give pros and cons. Uh, no surprises and no genius is not going to pick Cam McInnes. He is signed to play 13 and he will he'll be the 13 round one, barring any injury. Absolutely. Top five to two FR this year. Cameron McInnes, love him. I've currently got him in my hooker slots. Two, I'm excited to see him return. Two FR, two forward row. I was, yes. yeah. <laughs> All right, so let's go back to Matt Moylan and Nico Hines. Uh, guys that we brushed over, but we mentioned their stocks when it comes to NRL, but we'll mention their super coach stocks. So Matt Moylan, I mean, he's got job issue security. Let's not beat around the bush. Um, there's the issue with that. It's not like last year. I think we bought him for 240k last year, coming in much more expensive than that this year. I haven't even looked at him, but I can just imagine he's more expensive. And I'd much prefer Trindle for super coach. Like, if we're picking a super coach 13, then Trindle's in. Obviously, Matt Moylan, there's better options when it comes to Hastings, Ilias. I mean, even Connor Tracy, you could put it 5-8th over Matt Moylan. So, he's a pass for me. Nico Hines. All right. So, inflated average at fullback. No denying that whatsoever. I think we all understand that the price that we're paying for in round one is inflated. He's coming from a better team and a better system. For me, he's a bigger void for at least two months. Brew, however, has a different sort of set of beliefs, and that's great because we can we can discuss that. I said this to you when we were discussing halves, man. I just I'd prefer to take Hughes over Hines. I just I've got a bad feeling about Hines, and I feel like even if he goes well, it's a sixty-five average, and that's a big, big drop off from where he's priced at. What's the average at? Uh, seventy-eight point seven. Or 78.6 off the top of my head? 78.2. So as you, yeah, the, what he finished on last year is what he's priced at this year. Is that correct? Yes. And he's got... Give me a second. So I'll just all for time while Bruce putting it up. Um, my, my, biggest, my biggest thing is, at fullback, he is, he is on the end of the attacks. And he's hitting 
Um, he's hitting holes that you're not going to have at half. And I've, I've seen people say that he's going to play like a fullback at seven. I just don't see that happening. Uh, I'm assuming you've got your stats now, so far away. Why, why not, though? What We're talking about the, the ball out the back sweeping play, basically, and that's where he gets all his try assists. Who's to say that he's not getting that ball himself from so then why not just and, and drop playing Will, a Why not just drop Will Kennedy, play Trindle, and then play Hines at fullback? Like, I, th- I feel like he's going to be, like, two phases in, and it's just going to stifle him so much. Like, he's going to have to do a Matt Burton at the halves and try and break the line much further close to the goalpost, and that's just how I'm feeling it. If you want him to be this dynamic, off-the-cuff, wider dude, just drop Will Kennedy and pick Trindle and play Hines at fullback. I don't... I haven't seen much of Nico Hines before last year, so I'm not, I'm, I might sound really ignorant here, but I'm not too sure why you've signed a bloke on a pretty hefty contract when he's unproven at the level in the halves, but when he looked phenomenal at fullback, which is probably harsh on Will Kennedy, and I don't think Will Kennedy deserves to be dropped. So it's just a really, really awkward thing that sort of I'm thinking right now. And Sharks fans are going to hate that because they've got their marquee half. Um, and I don't hate it. I just don't. It's just confusing. It could could be a masterstroke, to be honest. He he was a five eighth though when he played in the Q Cup. He didn't play fullback. I know he played fullback and he he made it his own at the Storm, but that's not. Yeah, but the modern that wasn't the, his role in the, the modern, Q Cup. The modern age, you can't. I don't think you can use the he was a five eight excuse because in the modern game, there's no half and five eight. It's just two playmakers on either side of the field. Like I understand. 15 years ago, when you used to have the seven, the six, and then the one all on one side, and they'd, they'd sort of shift sides. Whereas now, like, one sits on the right, one sits on the left, apart from someone like Nathan Cleary, who swings both ways and has Luai float a little bit deeper. Do you see Moylan and Hines having that ability straight away to, to be able to do that? I don't see... Oh, I don't know if you do. I... I look at it and go, okay, so he's averaged at 78 or whatever it is. Can, we, first can we agree weeks, that's overs though? Can we disagree that 78 is overs? It depends how you look at it. <laughs> such a, such, such a politician answer. <laughs> no, but are you really going to care? If you pay up up front for him, if over the first five weeks he averages 80, and he's oh, got like the West genius. Tigers, and I, and I, look like, house, I look like a dickhead. Newcastle, shithouse. St. George, shithouse. Sorry for the swearing, but Canberra, not that great. Parramatta, even when they're good, they can leak points. Like, if you're telling me that a guy with as much talent as he has, who can certainly score tries, it's proven in the Q Cup. He scored plenty of them in the Q Cup. He's shown that he can set up a try. And on top of that, will most likely be their goal kicker. Let's say let's say he's a little bit above an average seven that would put him at say a 60 ish average then on top of that you're at his goal kicking there's probably another 12 to 14 points if they're putting on big scores against these clubs there's your 75 if he's averaging 75 to 90 over the first five weeks you're not really going to care if at the end of the season he's averaged 70 and his price is different to what it was at the start of the season or he's a bit cheaper you're only going to care about points on the board so you're you're more you're way more optimistic than I am. Like you've got his floor at around 72, 73, whereas I've got his ceiling at like 67, 68. And my the only the only reason why I'm so against this, will I own Nico Hines this season? Probably. 
Don't know, don't ask me when, but I will probably own him at some time. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models in dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. The thing is, if you don't go Cleary and you go, look, you're not going to run Cleary and Hines. You're going to run Cleary or Hines. So if you go Hines, you're using him as a stepping stone to get to Cleary. And I just worry that if he averages like 66, 67, 68, it's a 10-point drop-off. It's a decent price leak, and you're further away from Cleary. I'd rather take a guy with some upside that you could use as a stepping stone, whereas like Hines, like, I just feel like this is it. Like I don't really see a whole lot of in Supercoach improvement, and we're paying sky high for him as it is. Like We're paying money for him off the back of a career year and coming in a, I don't want to sound disrespectful, but a much worse side than Melbourne Storm. It's, I don't know, it's it's going to be run, one that I'm really keen to watch because you and I have very different views on this topic. There's no sort of fence sitting when it comes to you and I when it comes to Heinz. So I'm very, very excited to see um, how it goes. I want you to do well. You want me to do well. So I'm hoping we can find a good middle ground where Heinz plays well for the Sharks. Sharks fans are happy. Um, Storms fans feel like they've got the best out of him. It's it's one I'm really, really interested in. Um, so we'll, we'll leave the Heinz chat there because I don't think you and I are going to change each other's opinions just yet. I could come around. Uh, I'm coming around to another Sharks player who I was very, very off in the middle of November, so we'll touch on him soon. Um, we've touched on the 6 and 7. Let's touch on the 8, 9, 10. Uh, for Nukin... Look, he had a pretty decent drop-off when it comes to PPM last year. If he is leaned upon in minutes, you could maybe expect a 53 to 54 average. I just think there's better options for, for what we're getting. Um, people are in, enticed by the price, but I don't see Fanukin playing bigger minutes than what he really was at the Storm. He might play maybe five or six more minutes, but he was never really a one PPM kind of guy. So I'm kind of cold on him. I've got a few messages around Fanukin. It's the only reason why I'd mention it. But yeah, I'm not really. Kidding. I barely looked at him, to be honest. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, I, I got to be honest. I, I've, I know I would have rattled off his his numbers when we did the second row or front row forward podcast, but he, he's just. To be honest, I, I don't. Think, I don't. I don't even think he made that cut. So if he didn't make, no, if he's he did, just if not he, a super coach player. Make, for yeah, me. exactly. Uh, nor is Brake Brayley, to be honest. Randall will do a better job for a much cheaper price. Um, and it's saying a lot when I wouldn't even touch Blake Brayley in draft, let alone classic. So. Yeah, I'm kind of off him too. Um, I'll touch on Rudolph's numbers. If you want to talk about uh, Braden Hamlin Uella, you can. But to be honest, I feel like they're pretty interchangeable. Um, look, unfortunately, Rudolph is competing with guys like Stefano for a similar price. And Stefano just has way more upside. Uh, I feel like he's got better minute security compared to Rudolph, even if he does start. So another one of these guys I'd put in the in the Fanukan bracket. Rudolph, I don't know. One of those guys where like, I don't look at him for three or four weeks and then I look at his score that week and he averages, he scores like 65 all in base and I'll just forget about him and then he'll just repeat that. But yeah, only average sort of middling 50s last year. So who's your 17th player? 
my 17th player. Uh, we'll touch on the bench now. Uh, I've got Hamlin Ueli at 14, Teague Wilton, Talakai, and I've got Aiden Tolman. I mean, you can put Franklin Pele there. I think they're kind of interchangeable um, with whatever middle they pick. I've got Franklin Pele. Yeah. I did forget about Tolman, though. Don't hate that. Um, we'll, we'll, we'll touch on the bench after we um, touch on the players. But, yeah, look, I've gone Tolman. You can go Pele. Uh, you can go Royce Hunt. You can go Andrew Fafita. doesn't really matter. I think they all... There's going to be some big-name omissions, I think. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I don't is... think you can take a Dad's Army bench and pick pick all the experienced heads. I don't think that will work for them. They've got to get the right balance. That's why I really like Pele. I know he's been impressing at, at training, so... I like I, I like Pele because he follows me on Instagram. Shout out to Franklin Pele. <laughs> I saw that, actually. What, what, a, what a champ. Um, look, we'll go back to Braley and Rudolph. Not keen on either of those two. Um, yeah, so for Rudolph, similar price to Stefano, who just has way more upside. Yep. Any love for Hamlin Ueli, even if he does start? Big body. Oh, can, potentially. Big body if he starts, he's pretty cheap. And I know, I think years and years ago, he probably was roughly a 55, 60 average player. So if he, if he were to find some old form for for his price, it is it can be difficult to get those cheaper guys in front row forward. If we don't get a Max King, who I think is probably unlikely, and, you know, outside of Morawa, you might be looking for for a guy that, you know, was around that 300 mark, and he could be that guy. Yeah, there's just so many middles at the Sharks. I'm really put off by all of them, yeah. to be honest. Uh, when it comes to Wade Graham, he doesn't have the upside that is worth the risk. So, like, look at someone like Ryan Madison, who has, let's be honest, similar concussion issues when it comes to that part of the game. At least Ryan Madison has that 75-point upside. It's it's worth the risk. Whereas Wade Graham has just been on a steady decline year on year on year. Same with scores, same with PPM. Not worth... I've the... actually got Wade Graham as my X factor. Oh. We're on different levels here. Why? What, what, what in the last four years has shown you that Wade Graham is going to be an X factor? He can average close to 60 if he can stay on the park. The problem is... His average gets sucked down every single year by these games where he plays like 18 minutes or 20 minutes. If you take those out, his scores aren't too bad. And quite often, just as he's starting to look good and, you know, get involved in the scoring piece is is when he goes down with a concussion and we don't see him again. He's going to be ready for this season. I think he's quite cheap. I can't remember his price for this season, but... I looked at him and went, he could be a real X-Factor player if the Sharks do get off to a hot start and you need a, a cheapish second roller. You could easily put him in there and he could do a job for you to start the season. All right, so as I'm pulling up his stats, uh, last year in the games he played, he had one score above 60. Uh, the year before that, when he basically played a full season, uh, I can see that he had one, two, three scores above 60 in the back row and one score above 60 playing six, which... Wade Graham playing six is a very weird thing. So he's had four scores above fifty, in, oh sorry, above sixty in the last two years. Last year was a fifth. Sorry, the year before last was a fifty-seven average. You have to go back to twenty seventeen when he's averaged more than sixty, and he just averaged sixty flat. So you and I are on very very different wavelengths when it comes to this. I just don't see it because like if he goes down, he's going to go down with a score of twelve after 15 minutes, which is what we saw him do last year multiple times. And, yeah, I just feel like it's going to leak too much cash. Um, so I'm missing him completely. Britton Acora, we touched on him. He had a fantastic rookie year, average 60, and then he's gone 57-55. You could put it down to a second-year syndrome, and then he did it again. So this is his fourth year now in the NRL, and he's failed to really look 
good. I thought he was going to be. A, a, I thought he was going to be a uh, New Zealand international after that first season he had, because he linked up exceptionally well. Really good ball runner, but yeah, we've touched on him enough that it just hasn't lived up, and he's probably too awkwardly priced to even look at. I'd prefer someone like a Ricky, um, with the upside that he's got, and Cam McInnes, mate. Now, this is the player that I've written the most on. This is the player that I'm slowly coming around to. Uh, listeners of the show know back in mid-January, uh, mid-November when prices and stuff were released that I was quite cold. But he's the opposite of Wade Graham. He's increasing year on year on year, culminated with a 76 average in 2020. When he's fully fit, he definitely has that motor to play 70-plus minutes. No doubt about that at all. But the problem is he's very, very hard to analyse... What's his use post-injury? How is he going to be used? I think trials are a big, big one to look at when it comes to Cam McInnes. At the Dragons, he was the big fish in the small pond. He was asked to do a lot. Um, look, he had a 67.75 base, pure base at 13. 68 base fuck, at 13. That is enticing. He never had a game below 68 minutes when he played 13. However... This is the issue that I have, and this is the reason why I'm scared. He had not one attacking stat at 13. Compare that to him at 9, he had a try, two try assists, two line break assists, nothing at 13. Nada, zilch, nothing. Whatever you want to, whoever you want to entitle it, he had nothing at 13, which to me leads him to be very, very minutes dependent. If he was at 9, I would be more enticed. He is going to have to play... 60 to 65 minutes minimum to live up to the standards that he set before. Thankfully, he doesn't have to live up to those standards. He's only priced at 509k or something like that. You'll correct me when you rattle off. 535. So he only has to surpass that, which he should. But he is very minutes dependent. Trials will tell a huge, huge part when it comes to Cam McInnes. And for that reason, he is not in my side. But do not be surprised to see him feature in my squad uh, once I see him pumping out 70 minutes in trials. The floor is yours. I've harped on about McInnes all pre-season long, so I don't feel like I need to harp on too much more. It basically just comes down to, does he start 13? Yes or no, he will. He'll get he'll get at least 60 minutes, if not 65 minutes. I, I can see him actually filling in for Blake Braley quite a bit, reduce... His 80-minute games, I think that depends on to fill in there. Sorry, I think that depends on who they pick at 14 because a few sides, <coughs> Fox League, have Jaden Beryl at 14, who, who we touched on before in the, in the uh, inclusions. So if Beryl plays 14, I'm all over McInnes because it's just less. It's just one less body off the bench that's going to take minutes away from him. Uh, I just wanted to add that before. I forgot it. Sorry. I His base is enough for me. If you look at his averages, they go up by eight every single season. So by that, he's going to average 84 this season, and I'm going to be a very happy man. I don't think he's, aver- <laughs> I think he's averaging 84. 60, 68, 76, 84. It's of course, pattern, of course. But look, realistically, where do we see him sitting if he was to play 70 minutes a game? Do you think it's... He's it's top do, five, second row. Do you think he's around one, 1 ppm? So do you think he's around 70 average? Yeah. Yeah. Easy. I'm just worried about the the no attacking stats at 13. That's that's the only issue. But he hasn't played many games there. No, it, so, it was a small. And he could line up anywhere. Fair. Like he, you know, he could end up doing some stuff at hooker and getting some tries. You don't know how they're going to work it. So 
I'm not too worried about that because his space is so good that you'll just take the numbers anyway. Yeah, this is not a Heinz yes or no debate. This is a more where Brew and I see his minutes lying. 65 minutes and more over. 60 minutes, I'm probably still over. Anything less, I'm getting less and less keen on. The positive thing is he's had a whole entire year to rehab this. We know ACLs are an absolute prick to come back from. Uh, forwards less so than backs because it does take away your explosiveness and your elusiveness, which, I mean, Cam McInnes is missing a tooth. Elusiveness really isn't uh, in his game. He'll put his head where I wouldn't put my foot. So really, really like him. The base is fantastic. The bench will be a huge thing for Brew and I as well. Uh, I don't think I can do anything to talk Brew off McInnes. Um, but the bench will definitely help his ceiling. And if he can fill in at nine, perfect, because then, yeah, those attacking chances come up. Uh, plays hooker very similar to someone like a Brandon Smith. Loves to go for a dart two metres out, which is fantastic for Supercoach. That's kind of our analysis on the top 13. Um, we haven't touched on our benches, but mine's Hanlon, Yoeli, Wilton, Talakai, and Tolman. Brew, who is your 14 to 17? Uh, Rudolph, Wilton. Pele and it was Connor Tracy, but if he moves out, then someone else would move into the bench who would probably be an Aiden Tolman, I would assume. Could be Fafita, Tolman, whoever you want to put there. In that instance, they're not really running a utility, but so I'd have to have a deeper think. I didn't know the news until about a minute before we started recording, so I wasn't prepared for that. (laughs) I do do like to spring these kind of things on you. Um, When it comes to cheapies, they have three and... I don't think, I think it's the case of a three-headed dragon. So, sorry, I don't think it's a case for three-headed dragon. One of them lives and the other two dies. It's Franklin Pelle at 205k. It's Andrew Fafita 205k. And it's Royce Hunt at 243k. Uh, don't expect all three of these to be named. Don't expect two of them to be, to be named. But if one of them gets named... There's a chance that none of them get named. Yeah, th- there's a huge chance none of them get named. But out of the Sharks roster, uh, and probably Jensen Totemapia, as we touched on before... Uh, or even like Moeen Harotti, who's 340k, but that's just a bit too steep for me to be looking at. So, Tonomapia is a bottom dollar price center wing. Franklin Pele and Fafita are both the same price at 205k. And Royce Hunt. So, one of them will get picked. Sorry, I'll caveat that. If any of them get picked, it's one of them. Um, I probably have Pele, Fafita, and Hunt in that order uh, when it comes to preferences. So, look, yeah, p- plenty of talking up Franklin Pele. Uh, if you need to see what the kid's capable of, go back and watch the trial last year. They played the Dragons, and he was an absolute machine. Uh, it was a game Luke Metcalf carved up in as well. Jaden Sullivan carved up in, and Talatau Mone also carved up in. So pretty good trial to go back and have a look. Uh, he's a huge body. If you guys haven't seen him play last year, he made his debut. Um, just a big, big body. Very young kid. So cool. And Fafita, if it was 2016, I'd be all over him. But... Father Time is very, very creeping up on Fafita. Cool. Agreed. That's that's basically it. Brew didn't have anything else to add to that. Uh, mate, we've been running for about 46 minutes now. So, Sharks, pretty keen on them this year. Uh, I think Sharkies fans have a lot to like. I think NRL neutrals will have a lot to like as well when it comes to the Sharkies. Yeah, I feel like they're... There's going to be some super coach assets in this side. We just need to wait and see who they are. I think I know who they are, but uh, time will tell. One of them is not Nico Hines. I'll let you guys know that right now. <laughs> All right, guys, that is going to do it for the for the Sharks uh, wrap up. Hopefully, you've had a good Monday. Uh, Monday-itis is gone. Uh, Brew and I will be back Wednesday as per usual. 
and then Friday. And we'll do it all again until uh, Teamless Tuesday. Um, hopefully, I can get some equipment working. I should be live on YouTube on Tuesday night at 7.30 Eastern time. Doing a few rate my teams. Was supposed to do it last week, but internet shit itself. So, fingers crossed we can get that working. Uh, come in, chat with me, say hi. It'll be a very, very casual stream. So, yeah. Anything else that you want to plug, mate? No, I'm all good, mate. All good. All right. As always, ciao for now. Ciao for now, guys. Bye. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call. Click Granger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.